Welcome to The Final Whistle, where we have a unique take on sports and we integrate it with society and pop culture. Today, I have a couple special guests with me. I have my brother, Brian, and I have my friend, Charlie Murphy. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Bears. It's an emergency therapy session where it's a safe place for us to be able to talk about the Bears and our frustrations. All right, so our first subject that we're going to talk about is the QB situation. Uh, Brian, I'm pretty sure you have a lot of insights. Oh, I'm going to go off on Matt Nagy and this so-called QB1 that they keep anointing. And it's I'm so irritated. When Matt Nagy had the nerve to say we need to evaluate him in the regular season and see what he has. Here's Andy Dalton's regular season uh, important stats. Yes, he's thrown for 4,000 yards a couple times, but it's irrelevant to me because he hasn't had a QBR above 80, but twice in his whole career, twice. Then you look at his stats, uh, TD to interception ratio. He's only had single digit uh, interceptions three times in his nine year career with this being his 10th year. And I don't count last year's under, under 10 interceptions because he didn't play the full year. So it actually helped him. And he still got up to nine. I mean, um, to eight interceptions. So we've had nine years of evidence of who Andy Dalton is. And you think somehow he's going to be the savior? Matt Nagy is a joke. Then I want to I add Ryan Pace into that because they made this man a promise. Then they went up and take, took Justin Fields, and somehow they, they're not willing to break that promise to Andy Dalton. Are you guys serious? You cannot be serious. Because the minute Justin Fields came onto the field, the few times they put him in there, you could feel the energy change in the stadium. You could feel the energy change from the players. And then you put Andy Dalton back in there and it deflated everything. Not only did it deflate everything, but then you took Andy Dalton's rhythm that he had going away from him by putting Justin Fields in. It's either you play the you play the kid or you bench him. And I want to get into the, another thing about Ryan Pace and this offense. You you let both tackles go. Why? Without a, without a clear path replacement. And I get you drafting Tevin Jenkins, but you knew he had a bad back. So why wouldn't you keep your two tackles knowing your, the guy of the future has a bad back? Now you're trying to, to put together um, all these different offensive combinations, and it's not going to work. It does 
just doesn't work. And I wanted everybody to get fired at halftime. I felt like they should have had to walk home from L.A. Don't even don't even give them bus fare. That's my true and honest opinion of all these bears. And uh, I didn't even get into the defense. I'm just gonna not even go. No, we're we're, we're we're focusing on the quarterbacks right now. So yes, you, you I'm not I'm not even gonna get into the defense. But we're gonna we're gonna I'll focus get. on the quarterbacks. Uh, Charles, any thoughts? Opening thoughts? Yeah. So. Justin Fields had about four, five snaps. Uh, I looked into uh, how the other teams used their starting quarterbacks. Obviously, Mac Jones started. Um, uh, and Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence Wilson. started. Zach Wilson started. Um, there's, I mean, we can talk about them later if we get there. The other guy for the 49ers. Trey Lance. Trey Lance. Trey Lance had about four or five plays. There was a play on the goal line where uh, it's a run-pass option. He faked the run. It wasn't there. There was a pass. The pass was there. He threw a touchdown. You know? Correct. That was incredible. That was just fine. You got your feet wet, um, and you scored points. When I say that there was really no point in using Justin Fields, to be honest, because I felt like they put him on the – they just give him playing time for fan service, to be honest. You have him do all these RPOs. Why? Just at that point, I would rather him sit on the bench and get the ball to Damon Montgomery. I know we're still talking about the quarterbacks. I want to say something about Damon Montgomery later, but you know, outside of that one play that he got a touchdown, all those other plays, honestly, Justin Field could have stayed on the bench. You want him to watch and learn? Let him watch and learn. Give those four or five plays. To David Montgomery. And, and I totally we didn't really, Sorry. Outside of, no, that's fine. Outside that touchdown, what did Justin Spill do though? You know, that first reverse play didn't go nowhere. You know, how many yards did we actually get? So with Andy Dalton, I do not feel he played particularly terrible, but none of his passes completed were past like what 15 yards. So with all that speed. What's the point of having all that speed if you're still dinking and dunking? Because we were getting that with Trubisky. Agreed. Dinking and dunking. He couldn't complete anything over 10 yards. He was just really, it was just terrible. So some of it, uh, I, I don't want to blame Andy Dalton, but some of the plays could have been executed a little bit better as well. Now, maybe in the back of the set, in a timer, like, look, it's Aaron Donald. I got to get rid of the ball. So on a game like this, for not taking a bunch of deep shots, I can understand, but we didn't take any deep shots. We didn't take any deep shots whatsoever. So, um, Cole Komet is still developing. Um, oh, wait, we're still in the t- uh, quarterbacks. I'm yeah, sorry. yeah. But, um, but he, he does fit into that we, because I didn't but, think he played particularly well. Yeah. But let me ask you a question. With that performance you saw from Andy Dalton, what current quarterback did he remind you of? Because I got one in mind that gets killed all the time. Hmm. Um, Go ahead and get me. I'm stumped. Yeah. Jameis Winston when he was with the Bucks. That's what Andy Dalton Nah, I I disagree there. No. I just totally disagree with that. Because Because he wasn't wasn't just throwing the ball up. He was just chucking the ball up. No, no. So here's the thing about Andy Dalton. He played ball control. 
He got 206 yards and one interception. He didn't play horribly. The problem with Andy Dalton is that he's no longer the red rifle. He's like the red musket because that's like the range he's got at this point. He did not complete a pass over 10 yards. The issue that I have with Andy Dalton is that when he did try to throw it long, he threw complete ducks. I mean, he just lobbed balls out there. It, it reminded me of Nick Foles from last year. I was heated. So we knew so, what we were getting from this guy. So he, he only had one interception when he should have had three interceptions. Let's be let's be frank. Agreed. Okay. He could have he could have had more than one. That, that was Jameis Winston esque. The only the only thing I can take away from this Bears game is that Andy Dalton actually outplayed Aaron Rodgers for one week. Now it's okay. just one week. We're not gonna overreact, but it was one week and I felt good. We'll, we'll talk about Aaron Rodgers. Since we're talking about quarterbacks, I want to talk about uh Matt Stafford a little bit. I'll be brief. Matt Stafford with twenty for twenty six. 231 yards, three touchdowns. Stafford, I always thought there was a game against the Browns where basically uh, he won that game against the Browns. This was back when Brady Quinn was the quarterback of the Browns, his rookie year. Stafford won that game, went for two. He actually avoided the doctors because I think his left arm was dislocated, but he snuck back into the game just to do a two-point conversion to Brandon Pettigrew. Pettigrew, who's not in the league, I don't think, anymore. Ever since that game, I knew Stafford was actually good and had talent. The problem is that he played for Detroit. Agreed. Now, he's on a much better organization. Better O-line, better receivers, better defense, better corners. Real so, coach. Better coach. You know, when Stafford got here, I'm like, I mean, they're automatically going to the playoffs, I feel. You know, the yes. Rams got rid of golf. Golf was the first overall pick, and they're like, you're what's holding us back. Now golf is in a place where I guess he belongs Lions, but they ain't going nowhere. And you're not going to go anywhere with golf. So Stafford, there was a play where I think it was third down. Matt beat the guy. Stafford stepped up in the pocket and threw that. Threw the ball. Complete the first down. So 20 for 26 yards. Very efficient. They ran the ball. Um... I fully expected for the Bears to lose this game. I really did. Absolutely. Even if they, if they had Justin Fields, we would have had a chance. But without Justin Fields, there was no Eddie Goldman. I know we're not talking about defense. Uh, Stafford played a good game. Andy Dalton was, I mean, if, you're, if you had a choose between Stafford or Dalton, I'm choosing Stafford. Well, here's the thing. And, and I'm going to circle back to that. So, so your yes, point about Justin Fields. I do feel that the Bears were going to lose this game. There's no alternate reality. Maybe there's one. One alternate reality where the Bears win. But Justin Fields still has to be the quarterback. Um, I looked at Justin Fields when he came in. He completed two passes for 10 yards each. That that pass that um, you mentioned, Trey Lance. Trey Lance threw that touchdown pass. Justin Fields ran the exact same play. Uh, it just didn't complete for a touchdown. Cole Komet caught it and couldn't get in. That was the only difference. What I saw from the Rams defense when Justin Fields came in, it wasn't quite fear, but it was definitely an uneasiness when he would come into the game. 
That's the type of quarterback that we need. They put the Rams on their heels until the Rams figured out that the Bears did not want to throw the ball with Justin Fields. And so I agree with you. What was the point of putting Justin out of, out there if we were just going to run the Wildcat offense with him? He's not yeah. Taysom Hill. So why are we running a Taysom Hill-like offense with a real quarterback? Matt Nagy misuses all of his tools. He has the tools. I think our offensive line is not as bad as people think. The interior is pretty good. Now, our tackles need some work. I like Borum. I thought he played well. And, and I mean, considering everything, playing against Khalil Mack quite a bit, he, he performed admirably. I just believe it's time to move to Justin Fields. It's always been time. And so in order for the Bears to move forward and to actually be serious about winning games, we're going to have to see this kid play. Otherwise... It's a joke. But one more thing before I, I get up out of here. Can we all agree that they're going to screw this up? They're going to ruin this this boy's career. And they're probably not going to play him till about game six, which is going to be the end of the season and no hopes of playoffs. Well, I, I partially disagree with you. I don't think they're going to screw him up. I actually think Justin Fields will prevail in spite of Matt Nagy. It, you even saw it in the play in the preseason. He played particularly well, despite the play calling. As bad as the play calling was, he made some plays, especially that last play of the preseason where he went out of the pocket and he threw that dart to, uh, I can't think of that tight end's name right now, Horstead. Okay. I really believe that talent rises to the top regardless of coaching. Now, if you want to say that coaching gets them to the Super Bowl or moves them to another another level, that's an entirely different discussion. But I do believe that talent will, will rise to the top regardless. I want to ask a question. Last year, 2020, which offensive player won rookie of the year? Hmm. Oh, Brian's gone. Yeah, he left. He dropped out. I'm Googling it right now. That was Justin Herbert. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Herbert. I looked it up right now. Last year was Kyler. Justin Herbert had a great rookie year. He did. What happened to to the coaching staff, though, at the end of the year? They got fired. You – when you have a great – when you have a quarterback that runs rookie of the year, you would think the coaching staff would stay, right? Well, we got right. something to build on. But yet, somehow management decided that they were better off without. And I actually agree, because they had some games that they should have won but straight up lost. Yes. I think if the Bears start Justin Fields and he gets rookie of the year, they can still get fired. If you put this off for four, eight, or even ten games and then start up and play good, you can say, like, look, we need more games to evaluate him. I think the only reason why he's not starting is more of a business decision to keep their jobs. Because if Herbert can win Rookie of the Year and everyone get fired, what's stopping the same thing happening to Justin Fields? When we all, well, let me not speak for everyone, a lot of people want Matt Nagy and 
Ryan Pace gone. Here's the thing. I actually believe that they're going to be around for at least one more season after this one. And the reason why I say that is because typically organizations don't allow you to draft a quarterback unless you're going to be around for at least a minimum of two seasons, typically. And the Bears are notorious for allowing coaches and GMs, if they're not going to fire them, to at least run out the clock on their um, their contracts. So Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace's contracts both end next season. I really do believe that they'll let them play the contracts out. It would have to be an implosion on the Mark Tressman level. In fact, I even wrote that in my draft. I'm sorry, draft diary. I wrote I wrote that in my week one diary. Um, that Matt Nagy equals Mark Tressman. Got a draft diary over there? No. Yeah, I keep um, diaries yeah. on drafts and on week one or what have you. You never know when I'm going to have to go back to it. So right, at so least I have fresh thoughts. Right. Let me talk about the uh, – you talked about the tackles. Now, as I said this earlier, I don't miss Charles Leno at all. I don't miss him at all. You're on the field, but you're just average and not even above average. Some games you're below average. We're paying you all this money, and I understand he's not going to shut down top-end defense, but left tackle isn't something you want to be average or below average. That's not really something you want. You know, you're the most important first piece on that line. You know, you're protecting the quarterback's blind side. Leno, that play where Jason Peters, he, Jason Peters, that hiked the ball, there was a blister on the edge. Now, he recognizes that probably, I would say late, but he, you know, his assignment, he pushed the guy in front of him into the left guard. And then he pushed the blister to the ground. He covered two guys real quick, left and right. That allows Andy Dalton to get the ball off. Now, I don't know if Larry Ball could have made that same move, but he played very well. But I know Charles Leno, his reaction time is too slow. He would pick up one guy, the other guy takes out Andy Dalton. Gets a sack. I, I agree with you. So, um, go ahead. I don't know how serious both injuries are. I got to look into that. There'll probably be an injury report. Uh, in a day or two, but Jason Peters, we picked him up late, but honestly, I'm already feeling confident about him for something like that. That's that's recognition. Sometimes you hike the ball, things don't go according to plan, but you got to recognize things real quickly. The rest of the O-line, the, I think the right tackle, he played okay. I got nothing back to say about him. The inside of the line, they played about as good as they can against Aaron Donald because he could be triple team and still get pressured. That's how good he is. That is how good he is. So, um, I just want to comment about on the O line. Um, I know, uh, and leave it at that. It's my comment. Yeah, you know, I I thought the O line did pretty well against Aaron Donald, considering the circumstances. Uh, they didn't play to what, together as much as you would like for them to. It was kind of thrown together at the last moment. I thought that Larry Borum played really well. Now, to your point. That play that uh, Jason Peters made, I don't think Larry Borum makes that play. But that's just because Jason Peters is a Wally vet, and he was an all-pro player for a very long time. But I was encouraged by Larry Borum 
uh, coming in for him because I thought he performed admirably and he shows promise. And actually, I believe that what's going to happen is that uh, whenever he gets healthy, he's going to stay at left tackle. And I believe that when Tevin Jenkins gets healthy and if he plays this year, they'll probably move him to right tackle, which is his natural position. You know, I'm okay with that. When they drafted Larry Borum, I was thinking maybe he'll develop into a left tackle end of the year next year. I was thinking that because Tevin Jenkins is a right tackle. I feel his best is a right tackle. You run off the right tackle anyway. He's got that nasty blocking. Mm-hmm. And I thought right tackle would be the best spot for him. Borum, I didn't know if he'd be ready or not, but apparently he's already looking good. So we got to see where his injury ends up. Yeah. I actually thought that Larry Borum was going to be a replacement for one of the guards. I know Whitehair's contract is up and James Daniels' contract is up as well. So I figured that they weren't going to resign one of them and that was going to be the replacement. But he turned out to be a a fairly okay tackle. So if we can get a value there from a guy, I believe he was drafted in the fifth round. I can't remember, but I believe it's the fifth round. So we can get value there. Hey, that's a win. Now, um, to address your Charles Leno comment, I was in the camp that wanted to keep Leno or Bobby Massey. Either one. I didn't think you keep both, but I wanted to keep one or the other. And the reason why I wanted to keep one is just simply because you needed to have some type of veteran that could play tackle or guard that had already been with the Bears for a number of years, knew the offense, knew the schemes, and I felt that when you drafted Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borum, you could slide Leno or keep Massey at the right tackle. Um, I, I still feel that Leno is a right tackle. I don't think that he has the power to really play like right tackle like you would want him to, but I do believe that he can pass rush over there. I mean, pass protect over there. So my, my issue... With the Bears um, cutting both of them was just simply because I was just questioning what are we getting back. Um, Stability. Jimmy Jimmy Graham, I know we've uh, mentioned off mic that uh, we we both agree that Cole Komet isn't ready. And that's why the Bears kept Jimmy Graham. However, he makes way too much money. And I would have rather cut Jimmy Graham and either kept Kyle Fuller or one of those two tackles because they were all making the same money. All right, let's talk well, – we'll talk about the tight ends. Tight ends typically yeah. take about two, sometimes three years to develop. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one game. You would think with the pass rush the way it is that we get the tight ends. If we're tossing short passes anyway, let's get the tight ends more. But Cole Komet did drop a few passes. Um, Jimmy Graham – I understand why they kept him because of how he's playing. Is he making too much money? You could say that. I'm guessing the Bears hope it would pay off because he would mentor Komet to be something. Because Cole Komet, I think he's capable of being number one. He's still putting it together. And we got to see how the year plays out with him, to be honest. Um, Jimmy Graham, though, you know he still does it. He boxed out. uh, It was like a third and three near the goal line. He's, he's wide left. He's lined up as a wide left. Now, you're not going to beat no one, but he gets to the first down, turns around, and he boxes out uh, the Rams quarter, Jamie Ramsey, who's pretty good. He's got to be top, the top receiver, if not top three in the league. 
Jimmy Graham caught it. Now, Ramsey don't give up no yards, but Ramsey, like, can't even stop Jimmy Graham. They should have ran that play again and threw a touchdown to uh, Jimmy Graham. They didn't do that. For some reason, Nagy doesn't – I don't know. I don't understand that, but they should have just ran that play again because just Jimmy Graham – Just interject for a I, okay. I was thinking the totally – Totally the same thing. It's so funny that you said that because I was thinking to myself, okay, you you isolated him on uh, Jalen Ramsey. He boxed him out. So let's run the goal line fade. That's what I was thinking to myself. So even if you, when you run the same play, if you don't give it to Graham, you can be like, all right, put Allen Robinson on the other side. Okay. You can either take your chances with Jeremy Graham, who's probably going to win that, or you take away Allen Robinson, who doesn't have the number one corner on him. So either way, they could have just like, we're going to toss him on the fade. Make it easy. Toss it up. If you give it to Graham, Graham's going to catch it or no one's going to catch it. You don't see them Graham in the goal line, in the red zone, excuse me, and then, oh, DB picks him off the quarterback. You just don't see that. So I think that, I don't know, like at some point you got to realize your player is better than the other player and let them get it. So I definitely think that's play calling. Um, I have a play calling thing, but we're not the ring backs yet. But all in all, I see why we kept Jimmy Graham. Yes, he's overpaid, but if it's overpaid him or Komet, I'd rather just overpay Jimmy Graham. This is last year anyway. And we can get Jimmy Graham can still give us eight to ten touchdowns by the end of the season. Easy. Probably can give us more than that if you just give him opportunities in the red zone. That's his thing. Red zone. He, not, he may not give you 100 yards, but he can box people out and get that touchdown. So if there's anything they do differently, if we're in the red zone, the first play, Jimmy Graham, you go to one side and just put Allen Raps on the other side and just pick your matchups. You know, it, it, it's just frustrating because the Bears clearly have weapons. We have a coaching staff that can't scheme up plays to get those weapons open. And you just described exactly the problem that we have with the coaching staff. So it's it's just it was a rough night. And let me tell you, it was a rough night. You know, I, I told you this story off off mic, but I'm gonna tell you the story again um, on the microphone. You know, um there was an elderly couple that lives in the town home next to us. And they moved out because there's two two flights of stairs, and the husband he he uh, hurt his back and he had surgery and he can't walk upstairs anymore. So they moved out, and they moved into an apartment. And when they left, I told them, I said to them, I said, you know, you guys have been great neighbors for the last two and a half years, and I will never find another neighbor like you guys to live next to me. And I'm so sad for you guys to go because I'm going to get a jerk next to me now. Well, on Saturday, a guy moves in, and as he moves in, he's uh, he's got his back to me, but he's wearing all green, and I don't think anything of it. I'm just going on my customary bike ride um, on Saturday. And so he turns around, and there's a huge G on that shirt. And he looks at me, and I look at him, and I say, oh, this is going to be a problem. <laughs> it's like, 
I moved all the way here to Dallas and I got to have a Packer fan as a neighbor. It's just annoying. So all day yesterday, you know, I'm watching all the games, scrolling through, and I was ignoring the Packers Saints because I just assumed that the Saints would would just get destroyed by the Packers. I was I wasn't looking at any of it. And I didn't even check the score. So finally I checked the score in the second half and I see that they get destroyed. I started screaming from the top of my lungs, rooting for the Saints. Just making sure that he can hear me. Um, now, in our townhomes, the, the walls between the townhomes are, are uh, solid. You can't hear between each other unless, like, something really heavy drops. However, the outside walls are very thin. You can hear everything outside. So, um, for those of you that, that don't know, I have a garage bar. So, I had the garage bar open, and it's a really nice day here in Texas. It was perfect. Um, just had one fan going and I'm just screaming at the top of my lungs, just making sure that he knows that like Packers are losing is yeah. And I'm enjoying it thinking to myself, this is going to suck later when the bears get destroyed. Um, well, yeah. So here's the problem. You know, my wife's trying to be nice. And introduce herself because you know he's going to be our neighbor, and I have nothing against the guy, absolutely nothing against the guy. He's a nice guy. His name's Daniel, so I mean I'm sure he's pretty awesome because most Daniels are awesome. And again, nothing against him, but she decides to invite him over to watch the Bears game with us because I had a couple of the other neighbors over to watch the Bears game. And I'm thinking to myself, why? Like, he's a nice guy. Invite him over when we do something else, but don't invite a Packers fan when we're watching football. This does not work. Like, I was heated. It, it was... Um, it was an experience, and it was, it was kind of funny to me because my buddy, who's a 49ers fan, he's like, yeah, you don't do that. Yeah, he's like, you're in the wrong, you know. So it, it was a it was an interesting evening. Um, I, I'll just say this. My reaction um, did not elicit a great response from my wife. Um, she held it in check in public, but I heard about it later. At least that y'all y'all can like privately discuss things when uh, you feel a particular way. Some people, some couples don't uh, do that. They got to be out and about. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to talk about the running backs and then the play call. So yes. the I question. Let me be clear. With Trubisky, some of the plays I thought Nagy called actually good plays, Trubisky just didn't execute. And other times, I'm like, the play calling, like, why would we do something like this? You know? Third and one, just run up the middle. If we get it, we get it. If not, do a play action, dump it deep. You know, do something. You know? The play calling. Um, David Montgomery, right? Mm -hmm. He had 108 yards 
on 16 attempts, one touchdown. That's not that bad. That's really not that bad. That's very good. You know, fantasy owners will be, they'll take that 100 yards touchdown. I did. He, he had, Montgomery had, I'm writing down numbers too, if we, you know. Montgomery had, if we're talking about the play calling. You take away that one, he had one run for 41 yards, right? You take away that big run, he's got 15 carries for 67 yards. Assume I'm doing the math right. 15 for 67 yards. That's it. Put that in perspective of why I'm bringing this up. Within the first 10 Bears plays, Montgomery touches the ball three times. So I'm like, all right, that's fine. Maybe you, if it's a sustained drive, you give another running back one or two carries. If you're throwing the ball, you know, you're trying to hit different people. So I'm like, all right, three out of 10. You know, I do think Montgomery is the best uh, he should have the ball as much as possible. I do believe that. He gives us the best chance of moving the change. Um, chains, excuse me. That being said, within the next 20 plays, David Montgomery touches the ball one time. One time. So that means within 30 plays, David Montgomery touches the ball four times, and he's supposed to be the number one guy. Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Okay. I think that he is absolutely our best offensive weapon. And we should get the ball in his hands every chance we get. However, I believe that the part of the reason why he didn't run the ball um, as many times as we'd like. Well, first he got hurt. So he didn't play in the second half much. I think he, I saw him right. like two or three plays in the second half. What, what quarter did he get hurt exactly? It was the second quarter. He hurt his okay. index finger. Okay. So that happened. Uh, so they used uh, Williams, who didn't play badly Williams, either. Okay. He played pretty well. I like him. He's just not David Montgomery. Uh, right. The other the other point is that Andy Dalton's the quarterback. I believe if Justin Fields the quarterback, then you can't load the box up. It goes back to our point that we talked about earlier. Andy Dalton did not complete a pass over 10 yards. And when he doesn't complete a pass over 10 yards, you can load the box up for the run and you can defend the pass at the, simultaneously. Yes. You're working you in a both. much smaller area. Justin Fields can, can throw that ball over the top. Um, there was a couple of plays Andy Dalton that Andy Dalton either missed or he completed passes where there was a receiver running over the middle, wide open. There was a handful of them. In fact, he missed Allen Robinson a couple of times uh, running wide open. But I believe that he didn't really miss miss him. I believe that he couldn't get the ball there. Because when you look at those passes that Andy Dalton threw, they were just floating in the air. They were complete ducks. So if if we have Justin Fields... He's got. He's a threat to run. You can run the option, so you got that trickery there. And then you also have this guy who can throw it more than 10 yards. All of these are problems for the defense. It's the same reason why when you saw Justin Fields come in, initially the defense was on their heels until they realized that they weren't going to allow Justin Fields to throw under any circumstances. 
Yeah. Calling all in all 38 passes, 26 runs. The Rams pay calling 26 passes, 23 runs. Bears also won the time of possession. I think we had them by was it 12 minutes? Maybe yes. maybe more. Yeah, um, I didn't write that exact number. But at one point we were two to one with them on time possession. So we're winning the time possession. Yet they do it, they beat us 34 to 14 by 20 points with less passes and a more balanced run pass ratio. So I don't think we're gonna get I don't think we're gonna get it done with Andy Dalton throwing the ball 38 times and running 26. Now I realize we're down and you gotta throw more. So that could be, you know, um, the reason why it's lopsided. But if you take care of business early, you're not in situations like this. And um, that's just what I want to say about the uh, play calling. Uh, to address Outside that, taking. That, oh, sorry. Go ahead. To, to go address ahead. taking care of business early, some of that fell on that defense. And I think that we should spend the rest of our pod talking about the defense. Um, the first question I have is where was Khalil Mack? Khalil Mack, um, from when I watched, because Aaron Donald gets pressure immediately in his face, and he almost never gets one-on-ones. Khalil Mack, he got a few pressures, but he really didn't affect the game. So, I want to give some of the credit to the, the Bears and the Rams. This is the fourth time. They played four years straight. The NFL schedules, I think this is the extra game they gave them. Because uh, there's an extra game every team gets. Correct. So ever since Correct. that one game with the Rams and the Bears, which is a, a defensive one, we had Trubisky, every year we've gotten the Rams. The Rams have beaten us three out of those four games. We only won one. But Khalil Mack really didn't affect the game at all. You know, outside of a few pressures, he didn't really do much. And when something like that happens, you just got to have help from your supporting cast. And for the pass press, it just really wasn't there. It, it's it's why you and I have this argument about this, you know, how I feel about Khalil Mack. So, you know, I'm not going to hold back. I, I have a problem with him. And the problem just simply stems from the fact that the first season he got 12 sacks. Second season he got eight sacks. The third season he had 10. He is paid more than Aaron Donald, yet he does not produce half of Aaron Donald's production. Now, I understand that they play different positions, but to give a man that much money, I, I believe the Bears gave him $130 million. And to get production that is worth about $70 million, it's unacceptable to begin with. Second, we gave up two first-round picks and a few other picks for him. It's unacceptable. You know what we could have done with that? So, you know, I... I, I saw that, that trade rumor that, that the Bears were talking to the Raiders and that they wanted to the Raiders wanted Khalil Mack back. I was all for it. I think it's time for him to go. It's 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 been time. 
he does not produce. Uh, my one, I'm, I'm going to defend him a little bit, but ultimately, you're getting paid that much, you got to produce. Because other people on the outside, you know, um, Von Miller, you know, I know we're going to talk about Chandler Hutchinson. Is it Chandler Hutchinson? That's his name? No, no, no. That's Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones, I'm sorry. Oh, Hutchinson's in the Bulls. <laughs> Chandler Jones, we're going to talk about him later. Um, you got to produce somehow. So I don't know if the coach needs to. Like, um, Aaron Donald is in the middle of the. I mean, he's on the end, but he's basically a straight line, basically. The quickest way from point A to point B is a straight line. Khalil Mack can be bumped. He's on the outside. He's clearly the person on the outside. So he can be bumped out. If they're rolling a certain way, he can be bumped in. So you kind of manipulate him a little bit to slow him down. But um, there was a play where I think in the third quarter, no, um, later in the game, it was third down, and Cleo Mack finally beats this guy. But Matthew Stafford saw it, stepped up in the pocket, avoided Matt, and he completed the first down. They kept the drive going. So Mack kind of doesn't go, he's not in a straight line as a pass rush on the outside. He kind of has to go around people. And he's really good at it. Every now and then, he'll bully alignment into you. But lately, it's just him kind of going around people, and that's not really effective. Whereas Aaron Donald, it's just a straight line. Pressure in your face. I, I so, agree with that. That that statement that it is easier for Aaron Donald in theory because of the straight line. Here's the problem I have with Khalil Mack. What happened to the guy who was rushing the passer and throwing offensive linemen with one hand to the ground and then sacking the quarterback? Where's that guy at? Because that's the guy that we traded for. That's the guy that got paid. And we got about a half a season of that guy. And that's it. That's all we got. So I have a problem with Khalil Mack. And it's simply because he's taking up too much money on the on the roster. He's underperforming. You could even argue that Akeem Hicks outperforms him. If Akeem Hicks could just get his penalties under control, he would definitely be doing well. Here, here's my other issue with uh, Khalil Mack. I know that they drop him in the coverage once in a while. and In fact, a lot. But he's not a good coverage defender. Um, but you have to drop him in the coverage once in a while just because you have you can't rush him 100% of the time. But he's terrible at it. Absolutely terrible at it. And in my opinion, he may have become just a situational rusher at this point in his career. I just don't know where we go from here. And the reason why I say that is just because Khalil Mack plays on the exact same side as um, Akeem Hicks. So our two best linemen play right next to each other. Well, our linemen and our linebacker. Not pass rushers. I know what you mean. How is it? And I just want to understand how. How are you not getting to the quarterback? Because Akeem Hicks is getting double teamed a lot as well. And the moment that they allow him to get single coverage, Akeem Hicks is getting a sack, which we saw in that game. And when they double 
Akeem Hicks, that means that you're getting single coverage. A $130 million man should be able to beat single coverage. You know who he reminds me of? You remember, you remember Alex Brown? Yes. Now, Alex Brown is my man. I always liked Alex Brown. But the knock on Alex Brown was that he he never got to the quarterback. He would always get pressures. He would lead the league in pressures. And he would lead the league in penalties against him. Because he was always getting held. But he never got sacks. And so they justified giving him money, a ton of money, because of those stats. Now, I didn't get, he didn't get paid like Camille, Khalil Mack, but he got a really good contract. Right. Khalil Mack 